0: Hey guys welcome back to another episode of jake mendozik as always be sure to give us a like and follow. you can find us on twitter and instagram we are at jake Dingus show joining me live today jake mendoza one half of bleach bros pod and one i guess i don't know fifth of three three quarters
1: three quarters of the hateful gnome pod yeah three Gnome's quarters
0: good. of the hateful gnome pod thanks for coming on sir how we doing
1: I'm wonderful. Thanks for having me on, man. I was happy when you sent me the invite. I'm happy that we could work it out fast, too, because in the podcasting world, sometimes getting guests and lining things up and, you know, non-flakiness, but also like just schedules. Because what you're on, the, are you on East Coast time, correct?
0: Yeah. So we're on okay. East Coast time, you're West Coast time. That's right. And obviously, we're both try to be busy adults. I don't mm-hmm. know. So, yeah, no, I'm glad it could come together. But before we get into too much, let the people know where they can find you at.
1: So, uh, you can find me, um, most, most of the socials I'm either known as Jake, the hater, Jake, the tailgater, or just Jake Medosic, uh, uh, bleach bros pod, uh, hateful gnome pod. Uh, I'm hosting, or I'm, I'm part of the, I'm partly hosting both those shows. Um, easy to find on all the, all the handles, the same socials, but, uh, check us out, uh, release schedule. Our, our bleach bros network's blowing up pretty big. So B word also has this unfiltered, uh, show and stuff, but yeah, you can check us out on all those.
0: Yeah, guys, be sure to give them out. Awesome show. Definitely give them a listen and be sure to follow them on the socials. Again, it's at bleach bros pod and at hateful gnome pod. So I guess in a bit of sad news, we did see it. If anyone's been watching the Stanley cup or did watch the Stanley cup, there was a, there was a tragedy. Um, so the, the Las Vegas golden Knights did claim Lord Stanley's cup and, um, I guess I just want to, I want to take a minute to, to get your thoughts on the whole thing. I know it, I'm sure it was very heartbreaking for you.
1: It was, I thought the world was ending, uh, FTGK for life. Anybody that knows me, uh, fuck the golden Knights. They know how I feel. Um, uh, the one thing is though about me, like, even though I'm the hater and stuff, you know, and, and with people that like me and we're friends, it's different, but, um, I could take it on the chin. Like I'll go out and chirp and, and talk shit all day. But I'm one of those people too. Like I graciously like took it. Like I, I knew my phone was gonna blow up, and I think it didn't stop <laughs> for like three days. Like it was just nonstop,
0: just yeah.
1: Every you social had media, had to feel
0: it. You had to feel it when the panthers were down three one and you're like you know this is about to be a bad time for me
1: (laughs) it was and then and then i took a break right like because i'm one of those people like i love watching all sports but also like i i think most people once once almost like a blowout and everything's over like you sometimes like oh i can go do the dishes i'll come back i came back and it was seven to one i'm like why why am i even
0: (laughs) a part of this like this is a joke yeah it hurts it hurts yeah um so now I can't remember you are a Las Vegas native correct or did you move there
1: No I was I was from there I wasn't born there but I was from there since about 4 years old in the area Yes so like a majority up. of your yeah.
0: life spent in Vegas
1: Exactly
0: um, yeah. I can't remember are you still in area or did you move out come back like what was you know
1: no, I lived there um, and I had a, a, a array of jobs. Uh, lo- loved it there for a long time. You know, I always tell people it's not fun until you're 21. And then when it's you're 21, it's only fun for six months because you're either that hung over, yeah. that broke, or you don't know what you're doing with your life. Um, I live the in the Pacific. Yeah, I live in the Pacific Northwest now. So I'm up near yeah. the Portland area. It's the easiest thing to say. I live in Washington, but I'm right on the border. So I'm close to both. Uh, yeah. But that, that's where I'm at. So,
0: So i mean that's honestly a pretty big scene change i know like a number of people that have gone to the pacific northwest especially you know i mean a you gotta have some guap i think to live up there but i coming from a part of the world that has kind of shitty weather like i feel like it does it really rain literally all the time up there yeah
1: yeah it does it's it's um (laughs) It's one of those things you like. I love the rain, so it really doesn't bother me. I, I live perfectly in, in the best place, like, because I hate the heat, right? Like, I, I look at getting hot as like there's nothing you can do about it. Like, you're well, you can Vegas get, is get, a
0: bad place to fucking live right. buddy. exactly <laughs> yeah, hot. because
1: you're a hot pig, sweaty mess. Uh, but like when you're cold, you can remedy that by you know, a blanket, a fire, having sex, hot cocoa, a lot of things, right? And rain is typically cold. I like that, but it is, it is funny. You have like hibernation periods and uh, my wife was from New York originally, but then she, we met in Vegas and she lived there for a while. And when I brought her up here, I tricked her. I brought her up here in the summer and she's like, this is the most beautiful place ever. And then she moved up here in the winter and she goes, what the hell happened? And I was like, like oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, we're going to sit inside from like September all the way until like March. Like it's, yeah. that's what you do. It's just like, I, I think the, the only downfall I have is the golf courses are beautiful. And it's a fun place to play, but there's a season when you can play on that. Exactly, it's a season, and it's like a short season. So you get out there, you get it done, like all summer long, and then it's over. And you can golf year round, but there's no point. And so oh, it, yeah. that's how much it rains. And it's it's one of those where you can get a weather forecast and they'll be like, oh, it'll be sunny. You're like, okay, and then like it starts raining. And you're just used to it. Like you don't have a you don't have an umbrella. You know that it, they're not a local if they have an umbrella. Stuff like
0: that. Yeah it's just a lot of patagonia and hiking shoes probably yep is there like is there an inordinate amount of like subaru outbacks just like yep. on your block too you know i'm i'm just trying to play into all the stereotypes that i can it's
1: turning it's- into teslas so it it used to be oh. it used to be the subaru yeah yeah see you said the guap so it used to yes. be the um the subaru though was was the big thing that and the forester yeah. so i'll give you the other the other subaru that everybody loves up here um that those were the big ones so you you mainly see three cars though you see priuses you see subarus and you see a lot of teslas but it's funny when you start to get to the outskirts tons of trucks and it's
0: one of those things you don't I was about think to say, like yet. i mean you got a silverado's I mean that's yeah. basically like you know if you would take the like Western half of the Pacific Northwest. and you just cut that off like, you know, British Columbia kind of going down Seattle, Portland, and you just cut that off that eastern chunk there is basically like the Trump voter base. Like, I mean, it is
1: it's like Mon. it's like eastern uh, it's it's Western Idaho or Western Montana. Yeah. Essentially, that's sure. what it is. It's arid. Yeah. it's it's it still rains, but it's like it's more of an arid land. um, and it's very open country and it is funny because where I live is like the mix of where all those I live in Ridgefield Washington so sort of on the outskirts and it's where those two mix so you get the Tesla guys living next door to the guy with the giant Trump flag on the back of his truck so it's it's almost like the best of both worlds at times
0: (laughs) it was the best of times it was the worst times yeah no I totally (laughs) get that especially being where I'm at so uh, we're at Erie, PA. so it's northwest Pennsylvania so we're kind of at the intersection of Cleveland, Pittsburgh, and Buffalo, all fairly major cities. But where we're at, like in the city, it's very liberal, democratic, you know, like, Mm -hmm. I mean, City of Uries, I think, had democratic mayors since like, I want to say like 1870 or something like that. It's just like, it's, you know, as blue as blue can get. And you go maybe like two minutes south of like the highway which is kind of the dividing line between like metro area and country Mm -hmm. and i've never seen so many southern crosses like just in my life like a i don't get it because that was not the you know we weren't on that side during the war and b it's also mad races so like i mean chill with the you know Mm -hmm. stars and bars but it, it's interesting
1: know. moving from a swing state though cuz Nevada my whole life was a swing mm-hmm. state it was always back and forth it's been prominently blue lately
0: um yeah but they, well, especially, they changed the airport name too did you see they changed the yeah uh, which
1: is which is so annoying because when um when you're driving they didn't change all the signs so when you're driving <laughs> on the freeway <laughs> one will say McCarran the next one will say Harry Reid and i'm like if you're visiting like you have no idea where yeah. you're going yeah, like no that's
0: yeah no idea uh so um, obviously now had Bleach Bros on the show, this would have been a, a little over egg year at this point. Now, I can't remember if I told you guys then when I had you on, but I was so horridly sick doing that show. It was I don't really remember recording. I was like I had a Walter White amount of Sudafed in my stomach. Like it was okay. just, Jesse Pinkman was in my sinuses and science, I, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no shit and uh i think i mean i mean the episode did good numbers so obviously like fucking did something right but i i will be much happier now to have a conversation that theoretically i'll actually be more cognizant and coherent and Mm -hmm. remember some of it but i definitely wanted to have you on because you kind of have you know outside the, the podcasting realm your i guess professional venture is something that you know more or less interested in because so without getting too much into it, you have a, I guess, history or current experience, or why don't you tell me a little bit about as far as some of the work work that you do?
1: So my my main job, my money making, you know, breadwinning job, uh, my career is I am a dry age special... Um, Specialty meat marketing specialist. So I'm the guy that goes into the high end steakhouses like Ruth, Chris and Morton's and finds them the product. So I deal with the ranchers and the cattle and then my company and I, de- I I help build cut specs, yield percentages, dry aging, wet aging. And I'm the guy that gets the steak to the table and the chef. Um, I have a background of being a chef, so I was a chef at many steakhouses and a lot of higher-end places for years. Uh, That's my I've been in the industry pretty much my whole life, and I know people say that, but I started out as a busboy at 11 in an Italian restaurant, Um, did many jobs, and I always found myself coming back, Um, and I'd either do sales or I'd go into the kitchen, and I'd go back and forth, and I finally found a job where I can combine both. I get to be a salesman and a consultant, but also like yesterday, I was dealing with a new pork company program and we were cooking pork chops all morning and talking about how we raise the pigs and what, what breeds they are and that type of stuff Uh, and moisture content. Yeah. Yeah. Um, My other, my other gigs with that is I am a local TV uh, host or guest chef on personality, personality,
0: personality.
1: personality. Um, And (laughs) it's fun. It's good and bad. I mean, it's one of those things. It's like, it gives me cred when I go into clients with my regular job because people automatically think when you're on TV, you know more than you're talking about, and they always think you're loaded. To it, it's it's the two no- normal things I always get like, oh my god, you must make so much money. It's like, well, maybe, you're maybe like, not. Totally. <laughs> it depends on it depends on the sponsorship and the segment and all the things, right? But like, but it's also the fact like, I've had people essentially go, well, he's on TV, so when he knows talking about. It, it's like that doesn't necessarily, but I understand that's society, so I can't control that. Um, but that, that's a fun part of my gig. Um, I, I, really, I really enjoy it because both my job allows me to have that because they look at it also as I'm a face, I'm out there. I can sure. wear uh, my company's merchandise and it's free marketing for them. Uh, the TV loves it. Cause, uh, apparently I'm a good guest. I'm well-spoken. I know how to cook and you know, it's always worked out well. I was for a while, a fill in sports talk host up here too, for radio. So I filled. that's Get where I got there. The, that's, no, that's where I got the Jake the Hater moniker. So the side story with that, if we got a sec, is I was um, a fill-in host for Fox Sports up here. So I would go in and and just go in and cover for the guys on, on live radio and host radio morning shows. And um, it started out, one, the nickname started where I was doing it with ESPN and 1080 The Fan. And a fan called in to yell at me because I hate the Oregon Ducks and I'm really close to them. And he goes, I've never heard somebody talk so much about the teams they hate and not any, I don't even know what teams you like. And so he, they started calling me Jake the hater and it stuck. Well, then Fox sports wanted me to come on and do a cooking segment. So I became Jake the tailgater. And then, you know, the rest is history, but that was, that was another side gig that I loved. I've always loved doing radio. I had a, uh, a talk show in Vegas for a while with CBS. I had a uh, rock talk show, sort of like what the hateful gnome pod is Mm -hmm. now. Uh, I had a show like that for years so I've been in and out of the media as well, which has been which has been a fun ride, but there's so many bad dark sides to it, too. It's one of those things like like any job, right? Like, sure. let me tell you the the dirty secrets or this and that. But um, but the one one thing I'll tell people is it's funny. You meet like radio personalities and that's always a job I always wanted to have. And then you realize there's really no money in it unless you're like the top top echelon. And I know that's most jobs, most jobs, there's no money in it unless you're the top, top guy, but it is sometimes egregiously sickening how they make almost nothing and work so damn much. And I understand the market and you have to market yourself, but it is, it is one of those things. I see why it can be a dying breed because not a lot of guys want to make 20,000 a year and work that much and hope, hope maybe one day they're going to pull the six figures or the million dollar contracts. Right. And have, have all those listeners, but um, that, that, th- that, those have been my passions. Um, I love working in the media. Um I've had, had a long venture with it. I enjoy, uh, I enjoy cooking on TV. And it, it's taught me a lot. It's taught me a lot how to be more patient and cook for for people. Because when I my very first episode, I went out and cooked alligator etouffee. And it was great. Oh. But we had so that. many complaints that nobody could follow the recipe because it was so chefy that it wasn't like, the, I'm, I'm at three in the afternoon. Yeah. I have a lot of house moms that are watching going, oh, one, where the hell am I going to get alligator? Two, <laughs> yeah. when do I have the time to do the, the Miracle and everything he's talking about? So that was a learning experience. I think, I think the biggest learning experience for me, though, is once a year, I used to get flown out to LA for Food Network for a tryout for all their reality shows. And yeah. typically, I would try out for Food Network Star, and I would try out for any anything with Guy Fieri, like because he has so many damn shows. But they would they would you know interview me, and I'd I'd make it far enough. And those were crazy experiences because one, and I'm sure you get this, like that people that listen to your show, they're like, man, you're so good, you're so talented. Why don't they see it? And it, it's it's maddening. Like you're like, yeah, yeah, I am good. I am on TV. People like me. Like what am I not doing right? And the one thing I had to learn was they want more personality than actuality, which is a Mm -hmm. tough lesson in the media to learn. And a perfect example, I have a really good friend who's a chef. His name is Ricky Webster. He owns um, Rhine and wheat up in Seattle, amazing bakery, uh, amazing chef. And he's won like the food network holiday cookie challenge, like three times in a row. And one year, him and I were trying out for the same show and and the way I'm gonna say it is just just the way it was, the conversation him and I were having, just being candid, because he's like, I am he's gay. And he was like, Jake, I am a very, very openly gay pride flag, like cape wearing man. And if they don't think I'm interesting and I win all their challenges, they're definitely not gonna think you're interesting. And then you wow. see who gets on, and you're like, Yeah, I'm not gonna be the guy yelling yeah. about soup that's flipping out, but it gets ratings. And that that's a hard lesson to learn. Is it doesn't sometimes matter how good you are. Sometimes it just matters one. You know, we all know who you know, but mm-hmm. then two, um, who's gonna get a rating for 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 what they're looking for? And you know, they sure. maybe they're looking for a hot blonde with big tits that wants to come on and cook soup, and, and more people will probably watch that than me. And I understand that. I'm not going to deny that. I get it, but it does suck
0: at times. Yeah. And it's kind of an interesting parallel when you look at the media realm and the culinary realm, because you're talking about like, especially with like radio hosts and personalities there, or even just like, you know, podcasters or vloggers or anything like where you're just trying to catch that media niche and make some money doing it. And you look at the amount of work that can go into that just to make it like somewhat profitable. And I think about just some of even like, you know, a sous chef, or even if you're like just, you know, like a line cooker, just like how much you have to grind if you really want to make any money actually being in the kitchen doing the damn thing. Like people don't realize, like, there's a lot more food media coverage out there now, but you don't realize, unless you know someone or have done it, like the sheer amount of hours and like, work like real ass work you got to put in just to make enough to pay rent
1: well yeah it's and it's one of those things like everybody thinks oh I'm gonna make whatever I want and I remember when I was in culinary school I had a lot of chef like um, mentors you know and teachers or whatever you want to call them professors and they were like cook whatever the hell you can now like go make duck prosciutto go do some crazy shit because when you get into a kitchen you're essentially going to make the same dishes every night You're going to do what the boss wants you to do unless you go open your own place and then you can do those things. But even then you learn. I I learned a great lesson uh, from this chef, Jen Louise up here. She owned Lincoln uh, when it was open and uh, was James Beard nominee, amazing chef. And I'll never forget, I was I was stodging at her restaurant and we were talking about we were making a rack of lamb with like balsamic cherry and all this beautiful dish. Right. And it sounds delicious. And she goes, uh, we don't sell any of those any night. And I'm like, why? She goes, I don't know. It just doesn't move. And it was like her dream dish and her number one dish of her restaurant ever was a baked egg that cost her 75 Mm -hmm. cents to make. She could sell for $15. So she made a ton of profit, but she's like, out of everything, that was a joke dish that I just did to put on as an appetizer. Like, okay, I'll just knock this out and then I'll get to the rest. And she goes, and I was so passionate about this lamb dish and disheartened that nobody wanted to order it. She goes, but you realize like you can cook and make those inventions and they hope they go out but sometimes it's just what your audience wants. And so, I mean, we learn that in podcasting, you learn, you learn that in TV, you learn that in everything. Like I, there are episodes that I I think are the greatest ones that we've ever done. And then you look at the ratings, you're like, Oh, okay. Like that didn't, maybe not (laughs) right. And then, and then you do one, you're like, Oh, that was okay. And then you find out like, Holy crap, people love that. Um, Yeah. The, the biggest way I've learned that was when I did YouTube. So years ago, uh, another one I'll tell you is I used to have a show. Ooh,
0: dark Age of YouTube story. Yeah. I'm ready for this
1: one. I used to have. Um, I used to be on a show called Toy Kings, um, and I guessed it on. on It's my cousin Chris. He owned a toy store, and essentially what we would do is we would go meet collectors at their house and go through their toy collection and talk to them about it. And then, like you know, we had the side shows so like, like American Pickers, but just essentially, just like but. Figures yeah the, the one funny funny thing was it was everybody always compared to that and be like well how much do those cost and we didn't talk about like the value of things on the show we weren't like this cost this and buy it it was more just like let's see why these guys collect like why does he have a giant king kong statue in his house like what <laughs> what makes him want to buy that why does this guy and why have, is the like...
0: fleshlight in there i don't know
1: exactly well it just and it's weird i mean a lot of them are alone i get it i get it. that was the <laughs> that was a funny part but you know it was it was one of those things though i learned like one, the internet's not nice. A lot of people didn't like me. They thought I was annoying. That's fine. But two, like the things like the number one episodes we ever had were about fake Legos. There was a brand called Lepin. And I remember when I first joined the very first video we did with Lepin, it got like overnight, like 15,000 views, which is great when you're first trying to start, right? You're like, holy crap, sure. 15,000 people wanted to watch this. And then we do like another one and we're like, okay, we got 250 views. And then we do yeah. another Lepin video and it's like Wow, people are obsessed with these fake Legos like and it just yeah. it's one of those things that you learn. So no I, I enjoyed doing that. That was a um, that was an interesting time too because YouTube's a weird that's a whole nother realm of like oh, yeah. figuring out algorithms and getting it right and my, uh-huh. and my cousin, if you could support him is just another Chris he uh, he has a show there now. Um, where he talks all about Polaroids and film and stuff. That's where he's into collecting now. And it's it's actually pretty oh. interesting. But um, I was on his show, just another podcast for an interview. And we still keep in touch. But we all went our separate ways. The Toy Kings dispersed and went and did other things and
0: other ventures. But that was a good time in my life, too. Yeah, especially like as far as even. There's a little bit of algorithm and podcasting, not much. I think there's a little more. You have to actually kind of look and know what you're looking for. And I think some of it is just networking, getting yourself out there. But once you get into the actual YouTube or Twitch streaming or anything like that, or, you know, even TikTok, you have to, you know, get the people what they want. And that algorithm just has to hit. And I don't think it was really so much that way when you look at youtube i don't know maybe like 10 years ago or something like that there wasn't really much in the way of an algorithm like you could i mean now granted youtube was a lot more liberal place as far as some of the content you could put on there during that time but um so maybe with you having i mean at this point you probably have what at 10 15 years in doing media at this point
1: yeah i've I've been in the media pretty much almost i i think i started with um Radio and 20. So, you know, I've been doing it almost 18 years now. Yeah. So it's it's a pretty long time. Yeah.
0: Sure. So with that being said, and I've talked to a number of people about this, especially ones who have been in, you know, either radio or YouTube or podcasting or whatever, just have been in the media for a long time. What have been some of the biggest changes that you've seen from media, let's say like 15 years ago to now?
1: Um, streaming streaming changed the game a lot for TV, I'd say. Uh, because sure. people can get whatever they want however they want like youtube did the same thing uh, the big one for radio for me was how podcasting sort of overtaking it in the sense of streaming if you're if you're if you were like an am listener oh yeah or something or 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 a niche listener um not not as much with like music but even then we see like SiriusXM xm and stuff not, they always thought they were going to kill it but like if you notice most of the hosts you listen to Unless it's that local morning show, don't usually live in your area, depending like, like you might have that local guy for the country station that just comes on says about two words plays a few songs and is there for six hours. But especially like in the sports media realm, um, it started turning into calling cowherds on everybody's radio. And yep. yeah, they pay him like 17 million a year or whatever, right? But it's technically cheaper for Hot the company. Hot take.
0: He's a dog shit fucking sports personality. I hate <laughs> Colin Coward. Like his takes are horrible. Like They're I would garbage. rather listen to Stephen A. Smith. I would rather listen to like Greeny than fucking Colin Coward. Like he's just a douchey idiot that does not know at all. Like I would watch chris collinsworth like do play-by-play oh. for a fucking two hours before i'd listen to 15 minutes of calling oh Handler.
1: see i can't stand spindle fingers collinsworth that's spider no, no, he's Ugh. horrible
0: I, yeah. like i i don't understand how he's actually had a job as long as he's had but right. i mean yeah colin coward is just a fucking door
1: I'll, I'll say this i was i know he's originally from up here he's originally from portland i found that out when i moved here and I listened to some of his older stuff and I liked it. And I liked it before he really blew up. Now it's like just, I think they hit a certain level where they're like, I can just be pretentious and say what I want. It doesn't matter now because I have enough. But, but the main point on that is that it's cheaper to probably have him than every station in every city have a guy. and and pay them 50,000 a year, right? Like you, you compound that. And so what changed with that is companies started going, we don't need to hire guys for all hours of the day. We can just stream or simulcast or whatever you you want to call
0: it, you know, Yep, like one or
1: two guys for sure. Exactly. And so yeah. that that really that really changed that changed a lot over that. It's funny though, because now it's starting to backtrack. People are starting to see more local hosts, and we're starting mm-hmm. to see that they don't want to listen to the Colin Cowherds and the douchey, you know, guy given the top, I don't know who it is, but like what's the guy from fucking American Idol? You know who I'm talking about. Ryan Seacrest. Not everybody wants yeah. to hear his top 10 list every fucking weekday or whatever. Right. So they're going back to that. Um, so it's interesting to see how how the ebbs and flows of that is, but for TV, um, reality TV changed the game, and then what really changed is the fact that people stopped caring. It's it's sort of like the MTV or MTV evolution. People stopped caring about the actual show and just started caring about the people more. And right. I know we can always say that's happened, but it's 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 very it's very profound now, to where more people watch for the person on there than what they're actually watching of the show, right. and that that's very bothersome for me because it happens as well with me with like cooking. Like I, I, I literally get a sponsorship once a year and I won't say who it is, but it's because of how I look, which I get that you want to market with how it looks. But like, I don't even do anything to really cook their product, talk about their product or any of that. And it's just, it's just baffling to me how they, how they work with me on that. Yeah. Like it, you know, the, the meetings with them too are just, you want to talk about how people can really overthink and overplay their job. Uh, The example I'll get with this company is they gave me a picture of a guy cooking something outside like a family barbecue and go we need exact number of grill marks is in the picture when you're on TV and I'm looking at him like really everything has to be exact like.
0: And you're getting paid but you're also just oh, like, let me just bust that green egg out and we're gonna make this yeah, happen.
1: and you know what you do you put coat hangers in the grill real quick and you slap it yeah. on a hot dog and that that is a, se- a a secret like there are so many things that we do on tv to make food look real and good that's not mm-hmm. like the kitchen i work in at one of the studios doesn't really work the oven doesn't work the sink doesn't work it's so a you just cook tank. all the
0: shit and then bring it in
1: it's it's hard it's a lot of work because it's it's you have to think of it this way. You have to have the dish finished, right? And you have to present it. Mm-hmm. You have to have the dish started, and you
0: have to. Introduce- you have, to have it in multiple stages too. Like right. You have so- to have like your raw ingredients. You have to have it like okay, everything's kind of you know. Yep. Prepared, Midway ready point to go. and yeah, and then f- final product.
1: Yeah, so typically I'll show up to the studio with all the prep, right? All done, like ready to go. Like we're gonna mise and place out. We're gonna put the we, these character dice. You're gonna do that because I also have the job. Is I have to give the hosts of the show a job. They have to do something with their hands. Then you have to have the midway cooking. Well, you know, if you have a seven minute segment and you got a dish that takes forty minutes, you got to figure out how to cook it twenty minutes and then make it work. And then you have to have the final one that you eat. And so those are those are always very interesting. And the, the only one I hate after that is when they ask you to bring one for pictures only. Because that's the dish that has to look pristine, which isn't the problem. Mm-hmm. But then you're shellacking it with like Pam spray and it's yeah. unedible. And it's it's like when you need things floating in a soup, you put things in it. When you want a turkey to look good, just a secret for everybody out there, well, we spray tan them. We don't cook them. <laughs> Um, that is a real thing. So most of the turkeys you see on commercials are not fully cooked. And so that it will never, you'll probably never get it to look like TV because it's not even a cooked turkey. So don't feel bad. Just just learn this now, people. It's, that's one of those things, but, um, it, that's what makes it more difficult. And that's what makes the man hours go into it. It's like, yeah, you only worked seven minutes. Yeah. But I was up at 4am and trying to get all this prep and loaded in my car. And then I still got to show up to the studio with it hot yeah. and travel with it. And so it's, those things make it a little hard
0: yeah not just the logistics of it for sure so yeah a couple points that like one thing as far as photographing food i have seen this just like some of the like either photographing or videoing food like it is amazing just the amount of like tricks that go into mm-hmm. like making food look like food as opposed to you actually seeing it like even like cereal like it was like it's like Elmer's glue or something like that. So like it, like it floats on top and just like spraying stuff and shellacking it. It's like using toothpicks. It's all like, you know, just to make your eye view that. But for anyone that's actually ever really cooked a day in your life, like you, you're not, you're never going to cook anything that looks even remotely like that. Um, so talking maybe a bit about food media and, really for our generation, I think Food Network, Right, Wrong, or Indifferently, has been a big part of anyone pretty much 40 and under's lives at this point, you know, like, yeah, you know, Bobby Flay and Guy Fieri and, you know, Iron Chef, like, there's so many shows out there. Do you think modern food media has been more helpful or hurtful overall to the culinary art because there's lots I I think there's so many world-class chefs out there that most people have no idea you know who they are but they know you know your Bobby Flays and you know your Alton Browns and your Guy Fieri so I want to get your thoughts especially you know being in kind of both worlds with that
1: It's helpful in the – I'll do both because it's a little bit of both. I I think more one more than the other, but it's helpful in this way. Um, I think it's opened up people's eyes to go support restaurants more. Like when you had shows like Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives, those are great
0: Mm -hmm. uh, because you actually go out and visit these places and you want to support them. Sure, you saw like real people like just cooking. And it wasn't (laughs) like sometimes it wouldn't be any – like there was no real – high level culinary art going on right. in diners, drives and dives, But like, I mean, that's all shit you would eat for sure. <laughs> no. And you get to go out and
1: visit them and then you can say, Oh, I've been here and stuff. Um, the other helpful thing is I think it, it made people excited about food, but mm-hmm. see, I, I'm going to say that with the point though, that it also made it hurtful because all these people wanted to be in culinary school and they all thought they were going to be the next Bobby Flay. And, right. and then they like I, almost all my friends that I graduated with are not even chefs. Like one of them, uh, Peter, he's um, the videographer for Black Rifle Coffee, all their podcasts and stuff. Oh, nice, right? But then my other friend, she's like a pole dancing instructor and not like just because she's an exhausted, like that's a thing you know, where people do like the pole dancing gymnastic workouts. See, I was hoping
0: for a better story. I know that well, like I heard pole and I'm like, huh, dancing. Oh, there's a few of those, there's always a few of those. Oh,
1: (laughs) but then it's like, and then other people in the medical field and, and they jump around. But I so I think it got people excited for food, but in the wrong way because everybody thought, oh. Everything needs to look perfect and everything needs to have this in it. And every, like the food trends is one of the most annoying things on the planet, especially when you go out there and like you consult with restaurants because they want to do the next big thing and follow the trend. And you're just like, just either make your own or make a burger. I don't know. Sure, Um, Sure. The other hurtful thing though, is like you were saying, like they made, they made it seem like the world is easy. The food world and it's mm-hmm. not as you were saying the grind is one also, of the
0: hardest fields you can get into a hundred percent
1: yeah and it's it's that's why they call it the chef burnout i mean like mm-hmm. there's so many that just can't that that don't last like i i had the burnout I, that's why i went to this side of the industry it just felt like mm-hmm. better i have a better work-life balance like you know it's it, if being being honest and truthful my um, corporate
0: sellout yeah but,
1: sell out. but you know what fuck it i i like to make money and i like to spend time with my family yeah. and it's one of those things like when i was working as a chef there would be nights it's like i'm never off on the holidays i'm never off on the weekends i'm
0: always yeah, busy never off a friday or saturday nope. night you know and by the time i'm birthdays and you know soccer games or whatever because it's like hey well we got dinner service so you know daddy's <laughs> got to go dad's got
1: to cook a dad's got to cook a christmas catering event and do that and it's Uh, like the things like you know you're getting home at four in the morning and you're and then you're tired you know and those things it's it's different hours it's a different mentality um you know and so it's i think they made it seem like oh everybody just opens a restaurant and works 11 to 3 and you sell so much and it's all so beautiful and it's like it's not it it reminded me when i originally was going to go to vet school and it's like the first class they're like they're trying to scare you out of it like why are you here you're not just yeah. going to work on puppies all day. Like, get the fuck out. Yeah. It's going to be horse sticks.
0: So many horse all sticks. All horse
1: cows. sperm. I mean, yeah, that's where just, the story. Uh,
0: you're just going to be milking horses just from seven o'clock in the morning till six o'clock at night for the first 15 years.
1: Now, you want to hear a horse story about that? Go back and listen to our episode, Loki Masturbates Ducks at Night, when I talk about uh, artificially inseminating ducks in, co- in college. It was a learning experience. I'll say that.
0: Um, yeah, and it's just, it's you know just you're interesting. supposed to use like a a dripper, not yourself. You know, it's not the the human I didn't know the that. duck anatomy. So that's that was your first mistake. But
1: <laughs> I'm glad you're teaching me this now. You know, it's one of those <laughs> hindsight things. Like, oh, 20 years yeah, later, I wish I would have done that. <laughs> no, I, I did I...
0: find out a duck's asshole is watertight. So <laughs> that's <laughs> I
1: um. I will say though, I mean, I, I, I think, I think Food Network was good. I think, but I think, I think that's about everything, right? I loved MTV when it first came out. I loved, yeah. um, you know, video games, like certain systems, stuff like that. I think things change and, and change is hard, but it's also the fact like what did it change into and Food Network sure. to me turned into the Bobby Flay Guy Fieri Network. Um, now it's the mm-hmm. G, uh, what? Gurnishelli. Shelley. She's pretty much on yeah, everything now. Shelly.
0: Yeah. She, she runs it now,
1: No, yep. but it's, and it just and then it was Chop for a few years. Remember that's all people talked about. That was oh, the yeah, show Chop. Sure. And I remember that's when I was in culinary school and I'd show up at people's houses
0: and they're like, "Hey, what
1: could let's give you five ingredients to see you do that." And it's just like, like dude. I mean,
0: I'm a hot take on Chop too. Like that's a fucking rough show because it is so wildly impractical. It's so like mm-hmm. no one is going to try to cook a lunch with gummy bears, antifreeze, and ground pork it's not gonna happen
1: it it would be hard and i mean i remember in culinary school our chefs would do stuff like that for us like they'd leave baskets and be like hey figure out this but i mean it wasn't like that it was like you have an eggplant it was food food (laughs) it was food and make food and make food that because also they're taste testing it you know what i mean yeah but like like the funny thing is is how long they're there like i think that's what people lose track of they're like it's a 30 minute show it's like they're there for nine hours like
0: yeah, it's an all day fucking thing. It
1: it is it is long. Like I interviewed for a Top Chef, and my friend was on it, and he he won up here in Portland, and uh, but it was one of those things when I was interviewing, just even the interview was forever. But like yeah. hearing some of the people talk about the stories that were on it, they're like, "Oh, dude, we were back there for fourteen hours, and we're back there yeah. like sitting." And those things happen, and it's just ridiculous to me. But I don't know. Um, I think I think to, to to the final point of your question that. Food network essentially has ruined the food industry, but not food is the way I'd put it.
0: Okay. Yeah. And that's, I guess that is an important, like it's for like the mass market. I think it's one of these things that kind of gets people in the door. But once you're in that door, like you need to expand out from that. Like, I mean, everyone should know who David Chang is. Everyone should know, you know, renee redzepi or grant ox there's so many great great chefs out there that are not on food network and will never be on food network and they have so much high-end culinary acumen that that's really when you see that true culinary art not that i'm saying everything has to be you know three michelin stars or anything like that but if you know when you watch like some of these guys and gals cook that it's like they are the top 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 end and they're not going to make anywhere near the money that you know Bobby Flay, Alton Brown, you know Guy Fieri are going to make but I mean you want to bet they're not the best chefs in the world like step in line for sure but see that's like like when you said like I went and ate at Guy Fieri's
1: barbecue sushi restaurant in Rose uh somewhere near Sacramento, California horrible absolutely horrible and that's yeah. when you know it's for a buck, right? Like I ate at Bobby's Burger Palace last year. Finally, I wanted to try it. I was like, yeah. okay, I paid twenty eight dollars for a a burger. Like nothing, yeah. nothing to write home about. But like, Just I met Al- You're like, yeah. yeah, I met Alton Brown in person though, and I will tell you, he was one of those people I fell in love with Food Network when he had his show because mm-hmm. it was like I always compared it to like Mister Rogers' Neighborhood meets Food Network. Like it was like you learned, you felt like you were invited into his home, and you and it was it was very it was very informative. Um did, did all his recipes work no did did it did it change and like he became it seemed like uh the ego grew way too much but see like my my chef hero TV chef hero was Ming Tsai. I'm a big Ming Tsai okay. fan. Okay. Yeah. I loved I simply mean, Ming. So that was he was on PBS wasn't he? He was. And then he was on it was I think it was called like The Crave Network or something it was like a branch of yeah. PBS.
0: Yeah, he's got and, where's
1: um, his restaurant Connecticut Massachusetts? Yeah, it's in it's like in that. Massachusetts. Yeah, Blue Ginger. Um, mm-hmm. love love everything he does I have his cookbooks I mean like the things you learn about him too like he has two master's degrees he was a professional yeah. highlight player like there's so much about him that's like holy crap but my favorite thing was is when he was on the like he's never going to do Food Network I mean he does now yeah. but it's like they've blackballed him there like they don't
0: like him because sure. when he did the yeah.
1: PBS thing he was pretty much like screw you guys I want to actually do oh, food yeah, and like, teach people about food yeah, like I'm going
0: to do my damn thing
1: and they didn't like that and you saw it very apparent when he was on the next iron chef to where he made it to like the top four and the way he was kicked yeah. off it almost felt so rigged where it was like they just didn't like him and they wanted to be like yeah. a middle finger to him. Um, But I've always been a huge fan of his, but it is funny when you meet these people like I've I hung out and I, I cooked with Curtis Stone and, and had tons of drinks and we tried to pick up some cougars and had a blast. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um I've met Bobby Flay. I've met uh, Giada. I've met I've met most of them. I've got to meet most of my heroes and talk to them. I think I think one of my favorite ones I got to meet was Richard Blaze. And we ended up almost having lunch oh, yeah. and talking for an hour. He was on yeah. top chef.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's been on a bunch of, I'd say like now, as far as yeah. all the food network personalities, like just you watch some of the shit he cooks and you're like, this dude knows what the fuck he's doing. Like, Well, yeah,
1: he's the, he was the molecular astronomy, astronomy guy that was doing yeah. it. And I, I'll never forget when I met him, they played a trick on me at the studio, the TV. They booked me the same day because they knew he was a hero of mine. <laughs> and he was up from california and i show up to the studio i got all this food now my it was during when i had a sponsored like di- dish and i was all i was doing was hot dogs and sausages so you know nothing <laughs> out of my realm but you know you cook what they tell you to cook sure. and uh they're like oh jake he left and i'm like shit so i walk in the green room and he's sitting there waiting for me he goes hey i thought i i heard we were gonna meet and he walks up he goes oh what did you cook and he opens the hot box he goes and he just closes it and he goes you got paid today and I'll never <laughs> forget that moment because it was one of my favorite uh, moments to where he knew that that probably he knew, that level. He knew
0: what you were doing.
1: <laughs> yeah. And uh, then we we ended up bullshitting and talking for a while. And then we talked afterwards and he was like, man, you were great on TV. Um, and that, that like set me like to where he's like, what do you do for your living? Like, how's your life? You know, and we we talked about my family and everything. He's like, you're on the right path. Like you're doing exactly what I was doing. He goes, but you're going to come to a point where you make a decision. Is this what I want to try to do forever and grind it? Or is this what I want to do? And that, that was a very formidable conversation because I went the one of the routes him and I talked about, but it wasn't the one I thought. And, you know, he was one of those people like, you're so amazing. You should probably make it. And it just it hasn't happened. And, you know, that and then um, but no, I've I've gotten to meet a ton of chefs. I've gotten to work with a lot of them. They're normal people there. Sometimes they're not there. Sometimes they're douchey, but it's also like maybe they just had a bad fucking
0: day sure and I think there's inherently like you know I I know a handful of chefs but honestly if I want to draw a parallel I know a lot of tattoo artists and Mm -hmm. I think there's kind of a sort of ego parallel to it where it's like can be a little explosive can be a little prima donna-ish but it's like you're ultimately doing it for the art form and if you're really good at it you know even like an NFL player or something like that Mm -hmm. like you're gonna have kind of you're going to be a little heady about it and you're going to have your quirks and your eccentricities and that's okay for some people and other people that's just not okay for so when i
1: when i was a gm of restaurants i used to say to people i love hiring an ego chef because i know he's going to show up and i know he's going to take his Mm -hmm. job very seriously and he's going to do his job now the the amount of ego i wanted to hire was a a very you know i had to look at that barometer scale (laughs)
0: Well, but, yeah, it's, it's ego versus talent. Right.
1: Right. And that, but it's also the fact like, I'm always happy that chefs are the back of the house. Like that's yeah. why they're back there. They're back there to do that's, their job. That's
0: why they don't talk to people.
1: That's right. That's why. And that, they're always amazed. And I think that's the the final thing we could bring up about like the food network thing is like the, everybody thinks all chefs are friendly and like want to be on TV and in your face. I have so many chef friends that are like, they, their talent sometimes would blow me out of the water. Some of them, you know what I mean? And I'm like, hey, you guys, I can get you on. And they're like, why would I want to go on TV? And it's just like amazing to me because I'm like, well, wouldn't you want to? You could showcase this or like, I could give a shit or else like, I'm shy. Up, I'm I don't care. Like one's coming out with a new cookbook. I'm like, well, don't you want to promote that? He goes, yeah, I would like to, but I don't want to be on TV at all. <laughs>
0: I'm like, okay. Yeah.
1: And so it's those things. It's like interesting.
0: Yeah. There's way more Gordon Ramsey's than there are Guy Fieri's for sure. For sure. For sure. For sure. Also, I guess with your experience in as many kitchens as you have been in? Um, how many cigarettes have you seen smoked, and how many like alcoholics are you acquainted with?
1: Okay, so alcoholics is the easy one. Um, I remember, um, and I'll, I'll admit this: I had You're a like DUI. all of them, fucking all. Well, per, of them. well it's it, it's a funny story because I had a DUI right uh, in my younger years, and I, I screwed up. But I was about to get and hired. You were working in a kitchen. at the time, I was. I was. I was working in a kitchen sure. at a time, and that's You're a whole right other story. Yeah, but it was funny because they were going to hire me and um, it was this very high end steakhouse. And the chef just takes me aside. He goes, Jake, I really want you to become this and this. And uh, we want to hire you. He goes, We're going to give you the assessment. You're going to fill out this paperwork. And I looked at him and there was a background check. I said, Well, I got a DUI. And he just looks at me and goes, I got two. Who fucking cares? It's a badge of honor in this industry. And I'm just like, Oh, he goes, Are you on drugs? I'm like, No, he goes, Show me yeah. your arms. And I've never had to do that. I showed him my arms. Yeah. He goes, All right. Yeah, you're, you're going to be hired, dude. Don't worry about it. And that was very eye opening because I was young going, Oh, like that. that that's a not a thing. Um, there's a ton of them. I I, I will say because you also deal with a lot of ex-cons. It's just part of the game. Mm-hmm. A lot of them sure. come out and they want to do that. And good for them if they're trying to make a change in life. But you know, with that comes some problems at times. Showing up or do they work or are they high or what are they doing?
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, um, I was gonna say being sober.
1: Cigarettes has changed. I've seen a lot. It's a lot more vaping now. So there is that. Uh, But also, I live where weed's legal. I don't know if weed is legal where you are. I don't know. It is medically
0: legal here. But um, as far as recreationally, it's only a citation if you get caught. So like pretty much like there's a shit ton of smokers here.
1: I see more chefs out back smoking weed now because it's so prominent here and it's legal that it's like, you know, whatever um but i don't it, are cigarettes, got, like, cigarettes are
0: mushrooms legal for you guys too
1: yeah heroin too on the streets they give you and pooping in oh. the streets is legal here too that's not a joke that is a thing you can poop in yeah, the streets so, you,
0: so you're just living in philadelphia it's just new kensington yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah it's just oh, okay. it's, we're oh, the
1: west cool. coast philadelphia uh born yeah. and raised uh <laughs>
0: <laughs> on the playgrounds so uh, that's the... right <laughs>
1: But no, um, I don't see as lot of smoke. I think smoking is also dying. Like to be honest, like I think it happens. But and maybe in my area it's a little different. But, um, I see way more drinking than anything. Uh, that's that's pretty prevalent uh, where I am, especially because I I am I am in the craft brew capital. I always will call it. I, there's well, some yeah, breweries. I mean, I was gonna say
0: like there's like an inordinate amount of breweries in right the pacific northwest anyway and that just seems like i don't know it's just the softball way into alcoholism you're like oh try these ipas and these sours and these imperial stouts it's like right these are all like 29 percent alcohol mm-hmm. you just had five of them in like 40 minutes like and you don't have a drinking problem like okay
1: well that's like funny i i love it like more people care about the ab or the um the uh what is it they give you you they give you the ABUs and then they give you like a gravity. I don't remember what it is, but there's two percentages on everything up here on the board. I'm
0: drinking a natty fucking light, right? Like, you know, I'm. But what I, what
1: I'm saying is, I, I don't know why they even care about the other number. But I will say this: so um, as a non-drinker, um, now, um, they make so many good non-alcoholics here that actually taste like real fucking beers, and it's not like that normal. Like, there's Heineken Zeros, right? But I've yeah. taken B word out to some breweries up here, and they actually—that's what they spend time doing, and so they're doing it very well. Uh, the no A market is getting huge here. But there's um, because there's one distillery up here, um, that is just started doing uh, non-alcoholic whiskey. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's one of those things you're like, eh, it's actually really fucking, it's called Quartz, Quartz Distillery, and they are killing it and they are taking over the market in the industry just because they were the first guys to come out with non-alcoholic tequila and whiskey that actually yeah. tastes like tequila and whiskey. And so it's, it's, they're taking that big turn. I think that's the next venture for them is okay. If we're going to have all these people that are going to stop drinking, how do we still keep them drinking? Okay. We just don't put the alcohol in it, but we make it actually taste good too. Because let's be honest, non alcoholic beer forever. One, everybody's like, why? It's like drinking decaf coffee. What's the fucking point? But then two, it tasted watered down and not good because you had to distill out all the alcohol. So eventually you're just making water vapor. And they, it's like, they found a way, like there's one Just up here. Just like
0: lettuce flavored water. Like, yeah. you're like, why am I doing this?
1: Right. And so, but like sober Carpenter's a great IPA. That's a non-alcoholic one and it's, it's delicious. And so it's, now are they all good no but is all beer good no but it is interesting seeing these breweries up here do that change too now to where you're seeing Widmer do it you're seeing 10 barrel do it you're seeing grains of wrath do it all these big players that are in the game that have been coming up for years to shoots has plenty of them it's actually a lot of fun to see
0: yeah i i think and i was actually talking about this on a podcast recently just the Explosion in the craft beer market has kind of, in some ways, mirrored a bit in the explosion, almost in the culinary market. But I'm seeing it more so like, for whatever reason, like craft beer and food trucks have this like weird marriage. I don't know if you see it up there, but I definitely see it in this neck of the woods. And is all craft beer good? Absolutely not. Is all food truck fair good? Absolutely not. But I think it's better that everyone's at least trying to kind of get their shit out there. You know, like it's not so like if you're going to do a brick and mortar restaurant, as you're well aware, like there is a lot of capital that goes in that. If you're going to do a full major brewing operation, there's a lot of capital that goes into that. But if you can do, you know, an IPA or a lot, you know, just get a couple whatever's or if you got a food truck and you're like hey i'm good at making tacos be like fuck it go make some tacos then so i think ultimately it's a good productive thing for lots of people my opinion
1: i agree no i have a friend uh, he owns mella cider and it's uh, a big cider company up here and he was a chef friend who just started doing it in his garage as a hobby mm. and then he finally looked at us goes i'm gonna quit and i'm just gonna do this and We're like, okay and then he started out with just two bars and he would just show up with a few kegs a week of his stuff. And now he's at like, he's like, I talked to him the other day. He goes, Oh, I'm finally at 56 bars. I'm like, what the hell? And I'm like, you still in your garage? He goes, yeah. And you could tell like, he's like crap. Cause he's knows yeah, he has to, it expand. just hurts.
0: He just but has he, constant he, diarrhea. Yeah. He just, he's
1: always stressed out and hammered on his own side. <laughs> just trying to, cause he's like, it's funny. And he's high like, he, de- he delivers himself. I'm like, why? And he's like, I just haven't gotten to that point. And I mean, you know, good for him. Cause he's saving costs, but I get
0: the there,
1: <laughs> get your shit done. Yeah. You know, but no, it's, it, it's cool to see when people in the industry do that, make those leaps. Like I was actually just talking to um, somebody at Jacobson salt. and I'm sure you've heard of Jacobson sea salt mm-hmm. company. Um, how they well, started salt's
0: big up there anyway. Oh, it's like, huge. I mean, that's like, like, I mean, yeah. if you, it's uh, now from what I recall, isn't it? The like thicker flake sea salt yes. is up there. Okay, yeah, so they, they do a
1: flake sea salt and they, they like I had toured their facility and stuff, but it's amazing because they started out in a van. They started out driving on the weekends over to the, the coast and sure. they would fill up vats and then they would borrow kitchens. So, what they would do is they drive over to a kitchen when they're about to close for the night. And say, "Hey, can we use your facility and boil all our water all night?" And that's what they would do. And that's and then look at them now. Like and it, it's like those yeah. cool things that you hear of,
0: yeah, sure. And I, I think it's just true for it's true for podcasting and media and cooking and kind of whatever you want to get to. I think there is a certain upside. Like the more people you can get in the game, I think the better overall it becomes right. does it become a little flooded sure but i think there's enough pieces of the pie for all of us out there mm-hmm.
1: it just depends on the size everybody's gonna get a different size of pie but i mean it's like yeah it's like what we're seeing with um if i can if i can talk about it, is our own show like bleach bros started out as a joke with me and b word we were be- we've been best friends since second grade um me and him would talk every night he lives in carson city i live up here so we're remote and we would talk so much on the phone my wife would joke like hey you've done stand-up you've done all these things like why don't you just record it and you guys start a show and mind you we practiced for six months before we released anything because we're the type of people like why put something out unless you're proud of it and also work at it and do hard like you know we went and did the logo and we went and figured out the name and like what we were going to do and what the show was going to be about and at first people like were like well you you're really a show about nothing and we're like well we don't want to also be put in a box like we don't want to do just a sports show and only talk sports. And we don't, you know, and nothing against those, but that wasn't our plan. And then from there, we started meeting people in the indie podcast scene, which is one of my favorite scenes yeah. that I've ever been a part uh, of in same, any
0: same bro. Like I'm a hundred percent with you with that.
1: It It's, it's just different. And it's, and I know people say it about the scenes are in, but I was in the music scene and it's, you know, it wasn't the, the mm-hmm. funnest. I was in the sports scene. i definitely hated that. The media yeah. scenes. Uh, very very uh, shallow and hollow Interest. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, you know and so there's but this one is like everybody's out to help each other I mean the nice thing is too we're podcasters and we like listening to podcasts So of course we all listen to each other and support each other and it's it's wonderful because yeah. you have the same hobbies hmm. but like we started meeting other shows and that's where I met Gnome from Dads on Dayquil which I love those guys yeah. and I started out yeah, as okay. a fan I, I mean
0: awesome show like I mean I like I don't know. Like I shout you guys out and them and porn stash, like mm-hmm. probably, you know, just as much as anyone else. Like, I mean, yeah. like that's on equal no, is one of the best shows that I've ever had the opportunity to have them on. I mean, it was a great fucking time. Like those guys are awesome
1: on oh, the chemistry. I mean, it's one of those things Like your guys just show is terrific porn stash is great. I love, I love the stuff they do. I love their, who would you do brackets? Like there's a lot of cool stuff out there, like the the tap room pod. I mean, I can name forever. Like yeah. I had to say with Aaron hotel having him on as a chef buddy is a fucking blast. But me and Gnome met, and honestly, the hateful Gnome pod, which is part of the Bleach Bros network now, um, yeah. we that was just him and I exchanging music every week. Like, hey, and he had this hit hut, and I'm the hater, and we're like, hey, why don't we try a show? And that started out where all we were going to do is do 15 minutes a week. Come on and say, here's what I'm listening to. Go listen to it, and make a playlist. And then we had a band from Spain hit us up one day. Like, hey, can we come on? And we're like, oh, this guy wants to be interviewed. Sure. Fuck yeah. okay. it. Then it turned into now we're booked until like the end of October. And we had to actually put a hold on our wish list because we have so many bands coming on that we can't yeah. feasibly do it. And they're booked so far out that sometimes they're forgetting or going on tour. Or we had one that uh, sucked yeah. where. We had him booked out for three months. We finally hit him up. They go, oh, we broke up. And it's like, oh, that sucks. Like, like in between uh... that time. Yeah. Um, but that happened. And then B-Word went and started the Unfiltered Discussions podcast, which is great. It's his serious tone because originally we thought he was going to have a segment on the show called B-Words of Wisdom. And he was going to get his serious self and then me be over there being the asshole. And his own show came out of it where he's interviewing people. Season one's about to wrap up. That's great two guys in the Dart is part of the network. And that's um, our buddy, Mitch, who was one of the original bleach bros from the bleaching incident. And he, 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 has his own show and they all went under the umbrella of the bleach bros network, which we never thought we were going to have. And essentially what happened is Spreaker prime signed us yeah. and gave us unlimited RSS feeds. And we get, you know, just being upfront, if people want to know the background stuff, we get ad revenue based on our listens mm-hmm. and stuff. And they cover all our costs. And I mean, I don't know about you. I know I know from what we've done figures with and talking with people, I mean, to run a good show and to run good quality product and do it consistently, you can spend, you know, for a good hobby, a, a grand or more a year if you really do oh, it. Oh,
0: for sure. Easy, right. easy, easy, easy. And
1: yeah. talking about the sellout thing, it's essentially we signed it because they covered our costs and we're like, okay, we're in the green now. Like, or we're breaking yeah. even. We're You're at least grand. not dumping money into it at this point. But it turned into okay, we have other friend shows. How can we help them out? What if we put yeah. them under our umbrella? We help release it, we cover those costs for them, but you know, we the ad revenue comes in. And you know, you know how it is when you're starting. You're hoping yeah. you get 15 listens, and then you hope 15 yeah. turns into 16, and you hope 60 and compounds and whatever. And you know, you have good months, bad months, all that. You know, co everybody's saying COVID was so great, and now
0: it's like, you know, people are going back to work and not not listening as much, but things just happen uh, yeah i mean yes and yes and no so like i've had you know a lot of shows i mean like uh, your show and our show is kind of in that same category like right wrong or differently like was born a bit out of covid um And that's true for so many shows, but like, I think the ones that are finding success and not saying that we have like, Oh, you know, we're getting hundreds of thousands of downloads or anything like that. But if you can just stick with it, there is something to that. Like if you can just put shit out and I mean, is this the funniest show out there? No, but I think like we hit a market enough for. Enough people that it's like if you have a bit of a dark sense of humor and you want to hear some people, you know, talk some shit, some serious, some not. Like, it's you know, I'd say like this conversation has been like, I don't know, like serious, but like it's been really interesting. But I mean, yeah, I'll talk about a pocket pussy in King Kong. Like, that's funny, you know. I'm just like, logistically, I'm not sure how you do it, but it's fine. And the there's something to be said just in the keeping at it that the longer you keep at it you might not be hitting those numbers all the time but the longer you keep at it eventually you will find some measure of whatever success looks like for you and and you you can find that peak you
1: can find that peak that plateau valley that might happen you might find out that your biggest success is going to be 200 listeners a week and if that's not successful for you you know they always say if you're not having fun don't do it or depending on what you're doing it for i mean me and b word used to joke you know, oh, we don't really care how many listeners. But then we started looking at it. But we also took the uh, the advice from the dads on Dayquil, and They're like, don't drive yourself crazy of your numbers every fucking week, because that's what yeah. you're gonna do. You're gonna be like, how do I beat that next? How do I beat that next? Because they told us, you know, they and it won't happen. Huge- it won't happen. It won't. Or you might have that huge spike, and then and then the, the spike disappears. Then what do you do? And yeah. so, um, no, that was that was another thing we learned. Is I had a buddy, J Rob, that I met at ESPN. And he's like, just when we first came out, he had his own show the cover zero podcast and uh, it's a sports show. And I was like, what advice do you have for me and B word starting out? And he goes, just be consistent. He goes, just be consistent. And the funny thing is I tell restaurants that when I consult for all, I'm like, just have consistent hours, cook consistent food and make sure you have great service. And the reason is, you, you know if you showed up to a restaurant all the damn time right and they they're like they're like oh we decided not to open at 11 a.m even though we're supposed to be open at 11 a.m yeah you would eventually like if you never got to see it you wouldn't go like when those show yeah. when you've seen shows we've all have in this scene that like all of a sudden they're gone for eight months and then they do the oh we're coming back and then they do oh two episodes and then they're gone again for six months yeah. they come back you're like oh, okay they might they'll fall off my radar and so if yeah, if you stick with it and keep doing it and just be passionate about it and show that you actually care and and you enjoy what you're doing, it comes with it. It'll 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 yeah. a, a form of success will show up, and that that's I think what a lot of people lose. And the last thing is they treat it like the gym theory. I call it is they expect instant success. They expect everybody's going to listen. It's going to blow up overnight. And sometimes you go wow, like. We realize we're at the two year mark and we're happy with our numbers. Could we could they improve? Yes, they always could. Sure. But but we were even looking like, do you remember like in July, like the first year when we were so happy, 38 people like downloaded that episode? I was like, <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I remember that day where I was like so pumped that our numbers doubled in four episodes. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it's it's one of those things. But and I didn't mean to make the show too serious because you you if anybody listens to our, our show, I hope this was fun and important. But, you know, I get crazy. I say the C word. I I oh, do. Yeah. No, I mean, you're one of the like
0: most real motherfuckers like out there and like i think it's like i don't know how much you're intending to be as comical as you are but it's really great especially you're in b words like you know interaction it's fucking fabulous
1: thank you it's got to be the yin and yang though too i mean like somebody's yeah. got to balance it out and, and we've said that because we've had very serious episodes and it's like he's like wow jake you were really like an anchor tonight and like holy like very crazy and then there's b word over there trying to talk about how big his dick is you know and it's like it's there's not, those it's not i know it's all. a tuna it's, can it's a it's, tuna can that it, it's a tuna can with foreskin i swear to god like it is it is like if you took your ball sack and you wrapped it around a tuna can and left it in your pan you like when down, you were that's... a kid like did yes. you ever in the bath like, the fruit you basket balls yeah
0: and put it... yep yeah. yeah
1: the fruit basket yeah that's that's his his
0: <laughs> fruit basket it's called the fruit Jesus basket pretty... you didn't know that i have never ever heard that in my whole life so you know I, like, like uh go ahead no i I'm, I'm just trying to, un- like, I know, I know what, you know, an edible arrangement looks like, but yeah. I don't get, it, explain it.
1: <laughs> so, like, you remember the movie um, uh Waiting? When they were explaining yes, like the goat the and all again, those things, the
0: goat, the- so
1: we made a whole bunch of new ones. So I had the bowl of Rocky road is where you cup your hands and you hold your nuts and your marshmallow. Cause you know, you're, you're small and it's not your wieners just sort of hanging out and you shake it like a bowl of ice cream. So we called that the Rocky road, the fruit basket was when you wrapped everything up like a nice little basket. You know, everybody knows the bat wing. Uh, I had this windmill of scandia. And I don't know if everybody has Scandia or like whatever their mini golf place was where you had the windmill thing where you just shake Uh, your dick around in a big circle running at somebody. The happy Gilmore was when you ran with a boner and you tried to jump on somebody like there's all these little moves that you can have. Um, Like my favorite to describe is the fingering ones. So, you know, like when you finger a girl, you use one finger, right? The main finger, the middle finger. Um, And then when you get when you get a little more comfortable, you double click the mouse. So you have the two fingers, right? The, the pointer and the middle finger.
0: Or if she's a real cool gal.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, then you do the shocker, right? Or you could do three, but then you do the shocker, the two in the pink, the one to stink.
0: Or but, if she, you know, is a, an exotic dancer, then it's you're fisting both holes, probably.
1: Well, yeah, that, that's where you get, the, you get the, the spocker, the rocker, the vanilla ice, the all night knocker, which is the fist, and then the minivan. Do you know what the minivan is? You're gonna
0: have to tell me that one.
1: You shove two fingers in the front and the whole fist and all the five kids in the back, and that's oh, that's see, that's Jesus where you're having fun, right? Now, mind like, you, you were talking about the Ohio, buses from Guantanamo sure. Bay, like you did the double yeah. fist, that's the Guantanamo Bay bus,
0: yeah, or like backwards, like Wakanda Forever, you know.
1: Oh, I like that move. <laughs> I, I'm gonna start doing that move, the Wakanda Forever.
0: Uh, oh, she, dude, I like uh-huh. that, yeah, just. <sighs> okay Okay. oh shit man um so before we get into final segment here obviously like you've got a bunch of things going on and like Mm -hmm. normally when i get to kind of wrapping, is like kind of where do you see yourself you know in one year five years and i don't really want to talk about the shows or even like professionally or whatever but i think the most interesting thing if you could go eat at one restaurant where would it be um if i could go back
1: in time i would go eat at El ye which was number one restaurant in the world forever um i never got to right now restaurant. like
0: i can get you a plane ticket right anywhere where are you going
1: i'm honestly because i've never done it i'm going to ming size blue ginger that we talked about earlier Cause he's the hero of mine, right? And so I've always wanted to eat at his restaurant. I've eaten a lot of his dishes. I have his cook. I've made a lot of the dishes from that restaurant. But I think there's Especially something about... from what
0: I recall. It's an open kitchen. Like, could you imagine if I was open cooking your food, fucking for you? And I, like, think I mean, obviously to... he's not there all the time for sure. But no. like, I mean, could you imagine that? Like,
1: ugh. But I'm that's the dream to, to run into him on that. I mean, because there are so many places I go to and uh, I, I do get that spoiled uh, effect where my wife, whenever I show her a list and we travel somewhere, we go there. I remember we traveled to North yes. Carolina one time and there was a chef from Top Chef and he had a, ch- a restaurant called Five Church. And when we went there for a wedding, I said, we're going to go to the restaurant.
0: They things other than barbecue in North Carolina?
1: They do. They do. And we went to five church and had a blast and it was an amazing restaurant. And it was one of those things. It was on my list. We went and hit it. So I, I I have been doing that whenever I see one and I want to do it, I usually will book it and go. Um, But that would be the one just because it's more that interaction with my hero. If I could, even if I didn't see him just being able to try the food and you know, it's, it's the scary thing is, is what if the food's bad? I've always been told and it's like, it would suck, but at least, at least you know, at least you know
0: yeah yeah well i guess if i can give a soft recommendation if you're ever in this part of the world if you go to cleveland mabel's michael simon's barbecue place okay would definitely be worthwhile for you great. like up? especially out of cleveland like you wouldn't expect like good barbecue but i mean they got these pierogies and just the like pickled onion. i mean the sausage is great like definitely mabel's what worthwhile.
1: kind of barbecue is it <sighs> um Cause I know it's a tough question. I know it's a, that's a, that's a, yeah, because it's
0: not like, I mean, it's not Texas style for sure. Like, it's more St. Louis style, but okay. the sauces are more Carolina.
1: Carolina, like vinegar based? Yeah. Okay. So I like, would dig a, that then.
0: because there's a heavy, in this part of the world, like between Cleveland, here, Erie, Pittsburgh, and Buffalo, there's a heavy, eastern european polish you know slovak tradition so it's a lot of pickling a lot of vinegar based stuff you know like very coleslaws things like that so it, it's yeah i mean imagine saint louis style barbecue but with an eastern european flair i know that's like kind of like i mean you have enough culinary wherewithal to like process that but for other people they probably wouldn't get it i can but... process around that yeah
1: no and my my wife's um dad lives in pennsylvania and they're polish and they love pierogies so it's one of oh, those yeah. things like i get it so um but no it's uh that 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 would be a place i, would, I would, i'll put that on the list and definitely hit it if i'm
0: ever in the area brother yeah no i mean definitely definitely worth it um or if you're into like modern tacos barrio it's like literally right next to it and okay shit fucking slaps like <laughs> at, fuck like It's not like taco like West Coast, like Al Pastor stuff. It's definitely more, you know, kind of artsy-fartsy, but I mean, so fucking good. I'm down with that. So. All right, Jake. Well, for listeners out there, and we like to end every episode with a game, and I have prepared for you something, I guess, kind of what we've been talking about, but definitely in a more low-key sort of direction. So. Okay. What I have prepared for you today is a bracket, and we are going to figure out what the best frozen food is. So, Jake the Hater, are you ready to play?
1: I'm ready to play. Frozen food? Oh, I don't know. I'm a little scared that this is going to be like one of those things like heat up a TV dinner type shit, or is this just like you freeze it? Like, okay
0: this is like you're going to you know your food lion your Kroger your tops or whatever you're going to okay and you're in the frozen food aisle these are all going to be staples there now some of them might be a bit regional but I'm hoping for any of those we can get around it but I would say for the yep. most part these are national frozen food dishes Sounds so good. What we have here, it is a list of 16 in no particular order. Very common frozen foods. These are going to be head-to-head matchups. And the way it's going to work is you're going to pick which one of these is the better one. We're going to go from 16 all the way down to number one. So, without further ado, which is better, frozen pizza or Stouffer's lasagna? Frozen pizza bigger variety what is your what is your frozen pizza brand what's your go-to
1: screaming sicilian i fell in love with oh. that after um bizarre F- who's Anders zimmern was sponsored by them and he kept promoting it and i was like oh and my store had a sale two for one so i was like all right i'll try this um out of all the frozen pizzas i think it's that the other one i'll i'll, I'll throw this out there though i love red baron's french toast pizzas I think that's a highly underrated oh, the, the French
0: bread, the little French little bread ones. One.
1: Sorry, not French toast. The French bread yeah. pizzas, <laughs> oh, I love French those. Toast pizza, French toast dear, pizzas on crust. Yeah. I'm that's, an yeah. But that's Christ. uh those are those are good. Uh but the screaming Sicilian uh, it would be my brand of choice. Um have you ever
0: had Jacks?
1: Never even heard of Jacks.
0: So what I get them, they have a I think it's a 3 pack at sam's club and you can get it for like 10 bucks the jacks just pepperoni cheese frozen pizza Mm -hmm. they slap especially i mean you not being a drinker but for any imbibers out there not fentanyl imbibers but just your run-of-the-mill imbibers out there (laughs) if you need a frozen pizza at 11 o'clock at night jacks that is the one okay for sure i'll check that out which is better, Uncrustables or Toaster Strudel?
1: Toaster Strudel, I've never had an Uncrustable. It looks uh, scary, uh, so I've never <laughs> eaten one. Um, it doesn't look... Oh, like... you've,
0: never... Wait, hold no. you've never had an Uncrustable. You've had a peanut butter and jelly, right?
1: I've had peanut butter and jelly, but I've never had an Uncrustable, though, because I had this argument with uh, the Stoned from um, Dads on Dayco, because he always likes to send me videos of sh- weird food being cooked, and this guy was deep-frying Uncrustables and, like powder sugar like and like cinnamon sugar swirl all over it and it it looked good but no i've never had one i've never had one there's a lot of frozen food i've never eaten so i'm going to be up front but i love toaster strudels i buy those all the time so that's the other thing it's like i'm a big fan of toaster strudels
0: especially just the yummy jizz jizz. you just get to put just mm, rub it in daddy
1: what's what's your favorite toaster strudel flavor though see that's that's the thing i like
0: to talk to people about Admittedly, I haven't had a toaster strudel in a long time.
1: Okay. Let's just go with the, bear, the regular ones. Apple, cherry, blueberry, or raspberry. Or strawberry.
0: I typically would get strawberry. But okay. if you're asking probably what's my favorite, I love raspberry anything. And I've had the Me raspberry too. ones before. And I think that's that's the one to do because I think it balances like the raspberries a little tart the Mm -hmm. you know icing is so sweet I mean it's basically like I don't know fairy cum I'm not sure what it is but it's so like it's just like sugar and cocaine in a like soluble solution. Basically. No, I agree so, with you yeah, because
1: think, yeah, the strawberry is too sweet. Cherry is always, I love, yeah. I usually go for cherry, but cherry and strawberry are too sweet. And then you have the sweet on top. The raspberry is that perfect balance. It's it's that hidden yeah. flavor that people usually don't go for. And it's so fucking good.
0: Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I like raspberry flavored anything. And honestly, like for anyone who is cooking out there, raspberry and raspberry flavoring is a really versatile thing in my opinion i think you can add it to a lot of stuff and just the tartness especially just raw raspberries can be really great in a number of dishes yep Mm-mm-mm. which is better bagel bites or pizza rolls um oh I don't, I don't
1: know i don't i've so never bad. I'm gonna be honest with you. I've never had a pizza roll. I've had one bagel bite, and I, I'm gonna admit this. I was I know I was stoned when I had it, and it was good. So I'm yeah, gonna go with the obviously. Bagel bite.
0: Like right. it does. And has anyone been sober? Well, that's what I'm asking. Is like, that something that anybody's strict? ever eaten sober? Like, I, but pizza I, rolls look gross. <sighs> I mean, are they good? No. <laughs> I, I, hot hot go. take. No. Like. <laughs> okay it's like having a hot pocket like which i okay. intentionally left off this list um i don't know if you've had have you had hot pockets like, i've had
1: one i have had i had a pepperoni one i don't know the other flavors like they look scary
0: so the only one that's worthwhile in my opinion getting they have the breakfast hot pockets which is okay like, okay like that's viable okay. um all the other ones make a fucking sandwich like i'm not sure what you're doing with your mm-hmm. life that you need you know 90 grams of cholesterol but like just you know just ham and cheese even on white bread like fuck (laughs) it who gives a shit right like you don't need a hot pocket in your life but okay the breakfast hot pockets are good now between bagel bites and pizza rolls i am taking bagel bites simply because you get that crispy bottom i love bagel bagel bite yeah yeah. and it's like now i like the little square pepperoni too you don't get that a lot of like i mean if you're getting pepperoni at a fucking pizza shop they're not giving right. you the little square pepperoni right. that is a frozen food exclusive in my opinion that's the the tony's pizza that's the school lunch is just right. the fucking processed meat chopped down in a little shoved on there cubes. yeah yeah and that that's a goddamn bagel bite so okay with that being said i'm advancing bagel bites because uh,
1: yeah do that for me because like i said i've had one my whole life and i don't really remember
0: it which is better the super pretzel pretzels or TGI Friday's mozzarella sticks. Oh, fuck you. (laughs) Oh, this is the one.
1: one. This is the one where I, because I love pretzels. I love pretzels. I love them with mustard. I love them with cheese. I like them sweet. I like, I'll do the Michael Scott thing and get all the flavors at once, like the everything, but I love me some mozzarella sticks, but I guess here's the thing. If, If I'm doing it, I can have a pretzel in the microwave or the, not that I like to microwave things, but the microwave or the oven it's fine. And mozzarella sticks, I prefer to have a deep fryer and I'm too lazy sometimes to deep fry some of this frozen stuff. So I'm going to go with the pretzel.
0: The super pretzel, pretzel. I mean, it's not often that I find myself craving a soft pretzel, but Mm -hmm. I tell you what, man, when you want one, like, and you just got that big hard salt on there that's (laughs) only in heart, like, I mean, I, have you seen pretzel salt on anything else? Nope. It's it doesn't exist. Salt. That's why it's called pretzel yeah. salt.
1: Yeah, it's, it's yeah. meant it's for like, that.
0: It's pretzel like You're not putting it on, you know, the fucking, like, a ham or anything. You're not putting like, it on like, your breakfast. Just, yeah, I mean, unless you're a serial killer, then, okay, Dahmer, put your fucking pretzel salt <laughs> on there, but like, otherwise, <laughs> it's pretzel salt.
1: He's eating penis pierogies and fucking pretzel salt. Penis pierogi. Penis, that's a Dahmer exclusive right there. Yeah. That's a frozen Dahmer exclusive. Yeah. I
0: don't know. Like, for whatever reason, like, I just pictured like my wiener just stacking some Mrs. T's on top of it. Like, I don't know. I would
1: put square pepperonis on yours, though. So I would help you
0: out with that. See. Yeah. See, now that's going to look too herpy like. And that's, you know, that's problematic. (laughs) It's problematic. My girlfriend would have questions. She's like, what the fuck is that? Like Jake told me to do it, and I'm sorry. She's like, okay, but told you to do it was like, no, different Jake. Other time zone. It's
1: too much. Do you feel like okay, your penis then? Let's talk about this real quick. For your girlfriend, would sure. it look better with square pepperonis or pretzel salt with it?
0: Ooh. I will have to talk to her later today. <laughs> would my dick look better with square pepperoni or pretzel salt on it? Right. Um I just have a gut feeling pretzel salt. That might be the wrong answer, but that's just, that's what my soul's telling me. You know, I, I'm, I'm with that. I would see, cause then I would say you get it wet and then you dip it and it looks like you it. Yeah, you just kind of, you just kind of yeah. dip it in. Like, don't, right. you know, don't get the urethra in, but exactly. you know, just kind of, kind of coat it a little yep. bit. It's almost like a pretzel log at that point, like an Annie Ann's kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah, square pepperoni, you'd have to like, you'd have to sauce your dick first and then if you got a saucy dick anyway like what was the, the point the of whole doing it? Yeah. It. yeah like it's <laughs> just it's over just go beat off in the shower fucking dork which is better the texas toast cheesy garlic bread or the orida potatoes o'brien
1: uh potatoes o'brien I like O'rida no, 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 no. potatoes. I live right near it. I'm actually, if I yeah, get I mean, frozen, fucking,
0: like you, you yeah. can go like grab them now. You can just like walk out your front door. You're like, yeah, it's... hey, um, potato, yeah. So I'm, I'm a big fan of that. But that frozen garlic bread slaps in my. Oh, it's good. My... I you
1: you got me on that one too because you're starting to get to them where I'm like, okay, I've had these and these aren't bad.
0: So, like, if you need to get a spaghetti dinner, like real fucking quick, like you. You know I'm getting that frozen-ass garlic bread and zhuzhing that shit up, and I'm going to sell it as my own. Like, I mean, get fucked. Which is better, the Nestle drumsticks? Or what would you do for a Klondike bar?
1: Nestle drumsticks. Klondike bars are um, the – they need a stick. There's too much ice cream to chocolate coating ratio. Um, not enough flavor, and I will never tell anybody what I would do for one because I don't think I'd do
0: fucking anything. So there you go. Like even give an earthy hand job for one, just nope. I, I would not. I would. I would rather have the hand job. <laughs> You'd rather receive it earthy. I hand would
1: job. give it too. I don't even care. I don't <laughs> even want the claw night part. <laughs> You're like I will
0: give you a hand job to yeah, not to not eat clock. it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get it out of Jesus here. Christ. Uh, which is better, an ego waffle or a jimmy dean breakfast sandwich
1: breakfast sandwich all day i'm not a big fan of like i know i said till true, but i'm not a
0: fan of like pancakes or waffles really oh um, yeah i hate like sweets generally speaking hmm. like i am a hundred percent a savory guy okay. and i mean I don't know if like in your line of work, if you feel this way, but like, do you ever look at pastry chefs, like a little weird? You're like, what happened to you in your life that you chose this? Yeah.
1: Cause, uh, when you go to culinary school, you have two routes. They go, are you going to be ba- baking and pastry? You're going to be a chef. And I'm like, I like to be able to manipulate my food on the go. I don't want to be a chemist and put it in there and go, Oh, that's it. Whatever happens yeah. now. Happens. And we're like, done. It, uh... It's either
0: good or horrible.
1: Exactly. And that's, baking that's about or it.
0: Baking so. powder. man.
1: So no, um, yeah, no, we do look at those guys funny. We we appreciate them, but you ever notice they're always in the back back of the house, like, like they have their own por- the corner. Same
0: way, like I appreciate betting on the Special Olympics kind of thing. Like yes. I'm glad it's happening, and you get to participate, and that's really wonderful for you. But mm-hmm. also, you're fucking retarded. So exactly. Last of the first matchups, which is better, Dino Nuggets or Tater Tots? Oh,
1: f- I hate tater tots. So I don't know it's what. I hate tater tots with a passion. Oh, hot tater. That is a that is a tater tot. I do. I hate tater tots. I hate tater tot casserole. I hate everything about tater tots, the little barrels of what if could potatoes. They need to get the hell out of here. Just go be a fucking french fry. Be a french fry or be a hash brown. Don't try to be both. Get the hell out of my life. Like, they're overrated. Everybody wants them. Everybody thinks they need them. Napoleon dynamite's annoying as hell. Like, there's a whole long laundry list. So, get the get tater tots out of here. I, I don't even like dino nuggets, but they're going to win just because I hate tater tots so much.
0: I bet you weren't anticipating an hour and change ago at this point that you were going to go on a hateful rant about no. tater tots.
1: No, that's the Golden Knight's favorite snack. I bet they can suck my dick.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it, they dip their tater tots and just melted klondike bars and you're like <laughs> yeah
1: and then they and then they yeah and then they suck your bedazzled
0: pretzel salt penis mm. i mean they probably give banger head though i mean they have but they to, don't have like, teeth Hawk
1: yeah, don't have teeth, mean, so
0: there you go it's fucking set and i mean a lot of coke in vegas so i mean they're gonna be you know really animated about it just make sure they only take it or you're never getting it up <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's like come on I'm Come trying. on, you fuck. It'll happen. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, that's a joke only for some people out there. Yep. All right. The Elite Eight. Which is better, frozen pizza or toaster strudel?
1: Frozen pizza. I'd rather have food than a dessert.
0: A breakfast dessert. All right. Which is better, bagel bites or super pretzels? Pretzels. Mm, 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 mm. Which is better? Potatoes O'Brien or Nestle drumsticks?
1: Drumsticks and I just hate myself for that because I just talked about how I'd rather have food in the dessert but I got to have a dessert here and I love and ice cream.
0: Like yeah. listen, it's like especially yeah, the drumsticks they're so the good very end, the, the very little end nugget the yeah Oh, like I mean that's better than fucking meth like that just that shit bangs
1: well, you know they just sell those, right?
0: The tips. I've seen them. Yeah, like they're they're, so it's just, go- like just a the bag tips. Bag of tips, like, yeah. uh, like, fucking sign me up, daddy. Mm. Mm-hmm. All right. Which is better? I feel like I know this one. Jimmy Dean breakfast sandwich or Dino Nuggets. Jimmy Dean. Give me his sausage. James Dean. All right. Final four. Which is better? Frozen pizza. Or a super pretzel. Pizza. I feel like I know which one of these is going to win. But we're <laughs> gonna play it out anyway. Right. Uh which is better? The Nestle drumstick or the Jimmy Dean breakfast sandwich? Drumstick. Okay. And ooh, sweet versus savory. If you had to pick, does a frozen pizza win or does the Nestle drumstick?
1: The drumstick, it's ice cream. It's supposed to be cold. Pizza's not always supposed to be cold. Oh, yeah, not see, what I blue. expected there. I, I It belongs in the freezer. Everything else can stay out. Get out of that aisle. Start buying real food. Oh, my Stop. goodness. Yeah. I, Go to a pizza place. And Support your local pizza place.
0: In the final round, the Nestle <laughs> drumstick coming through with the W. Jake, thank you so much for joining us today. One more time, let the people know where they can find you at
1: you can find me at Jake Medosic 31 on Instagram, uh Bleach Bros podcast, Bleach Bros Pod on all the socials, Hateful Gnome podcast, Hateful Gnome Pod on all the socials. Be sure to check us out. Keep listening to this show cuz Jake and Diggis are fucking banging it. And uh oh, I I hope we can work together in the future bro cuz this was a blast.
0: Oh yeah, no, it was fucking awesome guys. Be sure to give Jake, follow. Be sure to give both shows a follow, and always be sure to give us follow as well. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at Jake Thing Show. Just a reminder, we got new episodes coming out every other Thursday. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your content. So, Jake, Valley, appreciate you.